Om Sang Sarasvati Namaha Namaste. Namaste, everybody. On page 121 of the book called Sri Ma, The Guru and the Goddess, we will continue with verse 46 of the Guru Gita. And we've been studying, and it has some very interesting things. Just turn back one verse to verse 45, and it says, Worship the pair of the Guru's feet with your speech, with your mind, and with the illumination of consciousness. I mean, you've got to think about it. You've got to talk about it. You've got to act about it. It just can't be a casual, Hiya, Guru! <laughs> Hiya, Mom! Hiya, Swam! She illuminates the various colors of yellow and red, <laughs> indicating the supreme manifestation of Shiva and Shakti in perfect harmony. And here she is, yellow is purity, and yellow is clarity, and yellow is good health, and yellow is peace. Uh, remember, Haldi, Haldi Ram, Ranjanam Deving, Shukosobagadagini, Tasbatambu Jakyamitra, Dukshanti. The color of Haldi, the color of the yellow, is about making, bringing peace to all pain. Now, that doesn't just mean physical pain, although if you got a physical pain, you could put some turmeric on it and it'll be better. If you've got a mental pain, you put turmeric on it and it'll get better too. Uh, and if you wear yellow, you bring peace to all the duke, all the pain. Uh, except I, I've been putting it all on my butt and it hasn't helped much. I still got a pain in the you-know-where. Uh, uh, they call that disciples. Verse 46 says, Gu is beyond all qualities. Ru excludes all form. One should remember the guru as the intrinsic nature of that which is beyond quality. So she is Nirakar. She is Sakar, Nirakar. She's all the cars. <laughs> uh, she, she drives a nice car. Gu is beyond all qualities, and Ru is, excludes all forms. So Guru is the form beyond all form and beyond all qualities. Guru is Nirakar Brahman, it's the supreme divinity, and Guru is the manifestation of the example which brings us to that, to that realization. So by following the Saguna, Sakara, the individual form, the with attributes, the the, the being, the person, the example, will she take us to the altar? always wanted to go to the altar with you, Mom. Yeah. Yeah. And then when we get to the altar, we get to look into the eyes of Durga. And we study Chandi, and we look in the eyes of Chandi, and we get to go to Shiva. And when we go to Shiva, we get to go to Nirakar Brahman. We get to go to the Guru who is beyond qualities, the Guru who is beyond attributes. The Guru is Brahma, the Guru is Vishnu, the Guru is the Deva Maheshwara. The Guru is Sakshat, actually, Parabrahma. Tasmi Sri Gurave Namaha, and therefore we bow down to the respected Guru. Without three eyes, 
She is the witness of all. That means you only look at you look at her and you see both of her two eyes. Well, sometimes four eyes. But that's okay. We don't <laughs> see the third eye all the time. So without three eyes, she is the witness of all. She sees everything. Without four arms, she is Vishnu, the circumstance of all. Without four faces, she is Brahma, the supreme divinity, the creative capacity of consciousness. Oh, beloved. Now remember, Shiva is telling this story to Parvati. Oh, beloved, so it is said of the respected guru. This is how we describe her. She doesn't have three eyes, but she sees everything. She doesn't have four arms, but she does everything. She doesn't have four faces, but she is the creative capacity of all. She is the respected guru, the illumination in the darkness. We clasp our hands in respect before she whose ocean of compassion increases with respect. That means with all the energy of my conscious being, I bow to the divinity within you from my heart. Namaste. I give you my respect. We clasp our hands in respect before she whose ocean of compassion increases. She's got this Koruno Bhavana, this ocean, the Doya Sagar, the ocean of compassion. Vritta, it just keeps growing in Vritti, Vritti, Vritti. It keeps modifying and changing in expansion. By whose compassion living beings may attain liberation from the diversified world of objects and relationships. Look how diverse. Diverse this ocean of objects and relationships is. There's a, a person there and a person there and a, and a thing over there and a thingamajigger over there and here's a widget and there's a widget and there's a widget. And it's diverse. All of this ocean of, of objects and the relationships between all the objects is so diverse. And she is the ocean of compassion. And she gives that her compassion to every living being, every sentient prani, every being that has life that can understand. She gives her compassion so that we can attain liberation from attachment to egotism and possession. The goal of the following, the example of the guru, is to give up our attachment to egotism and possession. The goal of following the example of the guru is to give up our attachment to egotism and possession. I want to stop thinking about me. I want to stop thinking about mine. I want just to think about us. And ours. Just one ekong shadbi prabhudabadanti. There's only one supreme divinity known by many names. Stay in that bhavana. The respected guru is the supreme form of nectar. <laughs> yum yum the bliss of immortality to those who see with the eye of discrimination if you can intuit deeply into it bhavayid if you can deeply intuit the, the supreme divinity as the form of the nectar of immortal bliss you'll see in the countenance of the guru that 
eternal delight. That form of eternal bliss. The bliss of immortality. To those who see with the eye of discrimination, let me deeply into it. Those whose minds are not so fortunate as to perceive this divinity are just as, as the blind who not see the rising sun. So like a blind individual who doesn't see the rising sun are those people who look at the guru and don't see the example of the clarity of pure devotion. They don't see the example of the greatest I that I could aspire to become. They're just as blind. In whatever direction are situated the respected guru's pair of feet, O oh, beloved, every day one should bow down in that direction. Oh, there they are. <laughs> Namaste. How fortunate are those of us who know where those pair of feet are located. The geographical location. So that means whenever mom goes to India, we'll all face west or east and bow down. When she goes to Alaska, we'll face the north. When she goes to Brazil, we'll face the south. When she goes wherever she goes, we'll just face in that direction. Wherever those feet are located, just put in your mind mind's eye the location of those feet and bow down mentally to your guru. Oh, you who are purified by knowledge, in whatever direction is situated the wakeful supreme Lord who has dominion with handfuls of flowers buzzing with bees in search of honey. Those flowers are so sweet that the bees are coming to the handfuls of flowers just to suck the honey. They were looking for the nectar with that kind of devotion, with dripping with sweetness. Worship the eternal witness of the drama of creation and dissolution of the universe. With handfuls, I go into the garden of delight and take out handfuls of flour dripping with sweetness. And it's so sweet the bees can't resist and they are all attracted to the, the sweetness of your devotion. Your garden has gardenia. Oh, gardenia, yes, absolutely. I've got gandharaj, I've got the smelliest flowers, I've got gardenias. Oh, you come and look inside my garden, Mom. You may see Ram and Sita there, but you'll also find gardenias. Worship the eternal witness of the drama. Oh, how many drama queens do we have here? Always contemplating the drama. Worship the witness of the drama instead of the, the actors in the drama. It's my drama. And I'll be attached to it if I want to be. And I'm going to get the sympathy of everybody in the audience no matter what I have to do in order to get that, that attention. It's my drama. Now we're going to worship the guru, the witness the, of the drama, the audience for whom the drama is being performed. And that witness is saying, who cares about your drama? Give up all this drama and just play the part of the realized saint.
in all your dramas, there's only one part that you should aspire to attain. There's only one role for you that's the starring role as the greatest saint that walked the earth. The Rishi, the Muni, the Shankaracharya of Napa. Be that witness just like the example we follow. Give up all this drama. We bow to the circle which surrounds the guru. That's us. That's the mandal, the guru mandali. That's the circle of devotees, the entourage of the guru. To the supreme lord, our guru, we bow to her too. And the three other gurus, a Param Guru, Paraparam Guru, Parapishti Guru. That means uh, the gurus of our lineage up to the first guru. Uh, we bow to Ganapati, the lord of the multitudes, the lord of wisdom, to Ganesh, to the three places of worship of Boirav in the gross body, the subtle body, and the causal body, who is free from fear. He has no fear, no shame, no modesty, nothing, no hesitation. Remember that, without shame, without modesty, without hesitation, worship the guru in the three places of worship to the number of attained beings. That's all those Murishis and Munis and every all the Siddhas and, uh, who have attained realization by means of this knowledge, by means of following the example of the Guru. To the three children, when we become as little children like Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, they went, to, they took a trip to the Monidweep and they entered into the private apartments of the goddess. And Brahma began to comb her hair. And Vishnu massaged her feet. And Shiva sang a song. And they were three little Kumaris. And Shiva's song was finished in. The Divine Mother said, okay, your time in Monidweep has expired. Go back and create and protect and transform another creation. And Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva in the form of three Kumaris said, oh, brother, it's so nice here. We have no problems, no drama, no, nothing to, to deal with. We don't have to take out anybody else's garbage. We don't have to clean up anybody else's mess. We don't have, there, it's so nice to be with you, Mom. Can't we stay a little longer? And Mom said, no, no, no. You go back and create a new creation. And you protect it and you transform it. And that's your job, you three little kids. The three children. Could we become children? Just like the unity of the threes, the harmony of the threes, Auma, it's Kamkala. It's Imring Kling, Swisti Stiti Loi, Brahma Vishnu Maheshwar. All the threes are just like little children at the feet of the Divine Mother. To the two feet, and there they are, I see them. They, she wears them proudly. Uh, mine kind of bend and turn a little bit here now and then. But mothers are firmly affixed. 
to the order of ambassadors to the circle. Who wants to be an ambassador to the circle? Dude, watch. The, 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 the ambassador to the mandali, to all the, come, we invite you all into the circle of that the, the surrounds the Divine Mother. You're all welcome to come and join us in the circle, the ambassadors to the circle. Uh, today we do it on the web or on Facebook or on Twitter or but we are extending the invitation to come and see those two feet. You'll, you might like it. You might enjoy it. To the heroes, those are myriads. Remember we have uh, uh, three babas of, of humanity, three babas of nature, Poshu, who are responding from the lower chakras, they are paying attention to their animalistic tendencies. Poshu Bhav. They have this uh, eating, sleeping, mating. Uh, those are the main focus of their consciousness. Then you have Virya, heroes. The heroes who are striving to overcome that lower nature and aspiring to be to reach for divinity. And then you have Divya Bhav. And Divya Bhav means she's there. She's radiating divinity all the time, just in her yellow and red sari. She's just radiating the illumination of, of divine purity. Poshu, Virya, Divya, three bhavanas. Uh, animalistic, just uh, responding to the calls of nature, heroistic or heroism. <laughs> As a hero, we strive to overcome our lower nature and reach for our highest nature. And Deepya, divine, illuminated, you're already there. So to the heroes, to the 16. And we have the 16 uh, matrikas, the 16 vowels. We have the 16 uh, mothers uh, who are the, the mothers of, uh, uh, of uh, all, uh, uh, all sound and all vibration because all that speaks has a vowel. And there are 16 vowels. Ring, ring, ling, ring, ang, wing, om, ow, ang, ah. 16 to the 16 that give vibration, give, for, give the form of sound to all vibrations. Also, we have Kahadi Vidya. Remember, there's a 15 lettered mantra Kae Larim, Hasakahalarim, Sakalarim, and then there's Sharashi, the 16. Kahae Larim, Hasakahalarim, Sakalarim. So we, she's she's Harashi. She's the sixteen. She manifests in the sixteen, uh, the sixty-four, and the nine, <laughs> and we can go on and on and on. And, and you have so many different declinations. Of course, we have the nine Durgas and the nine forms of Nanavarna Mantra, and we have the all the, the three times the three, and the uh, the sixty-four is all the uh, yoginis and all the uh, the sixty-four yoginis and all the energies which bring us to that divinity, all that manifest within us. 
the 64 and the 9 to the five heroes that sacrificed. Those are the senses. Those are our five senses that sacrificed and said, I will give up my attachment to the objects of perception, the tanmatras. So I, I have in my eyes, I have sight, I have my ears sound, I have my nose smell, I have my skin touch, and I have my tongue taste, and I'm sacrificing attachment to all of those tongue mantras, to the objects of perception. Uh, uh, so to the five heroes that sacrificed, those are the five senses, to the respected makers of garlands, who sews the garlands together, who makes the, the, the mala to give to the, to the goddess. They, they make the unity of all the different flowers. They take them and sew them into one harmony and one unity and one contiguous mala that is an adornment to the Divine Mother to the guru. So whoever can respectfully prepare and unite all the diversity into one mala of unity as a token of respect that, that it becomes an ornament to the guru, we bow to you too as, as you are preparing the unity and the diversity. By means of the king of mantras, the Guru Gita, by means of this entire Guru Gita, this song, we're bowing to you all. Is very important. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Please, this is very important. You make a little star someplace. This is something you'll want to remember because there are various declarations. This is a synopsis of Tatwagan. Just like we have all the lists of the lists in Tatwagan, here we have all the numbers, the mandali, the circle that surrounds the guru, her entourage, to the guru, to the supreme divinity, to all the gurus, to Ganesh, and the three places of worship in the gross body, the subtle body, and the causal body, and the number of siddhas, and attained beings, and all the rishis, and all the monis, and to the three children as we come closer and closer and closer to that sense of peace purity and clarity, knowing our goal, all we want to do is stay there and worship her. To the, uh, the two feet of the guru, to the order of the ambassadors, to the circle, hey, we invite you to come into the circle of the mandali, uh, the, the entourage of the goddess, and to the heroes, the viryas, the 16, the 64, and the 9, to the five heroes that sacrifice, give up attachment to all your perceptions and all your sensory uh, stimuli, and to the respected maker of garlands, sew them all into a unity, into a, a, a harmonize all the diversity into one unity, which is an ornament to the guru. And by means of the king of mantras, this guru Gita. All those extended practices of hundreds of repetitions of breath control. <gasps> discomfort and strain and are difficult of attainment. <laughs> it's not easy to really do pranayama. You've got to make yourself still outside, still inside, 
and then be in the rhythm and count with the chanda, with the mathematical formula of mantra, which count the length of the breath in and out. Now all of those repetitions of pranayama, they cause some discomfort and strain and are difficult of attainment in a moment. Ekshana. In a moment, this good result of victory over the sacrifice of life may be attained with ease by oneself through the selfless service of one's guru as a natural expression of love. All the tapasya which you train yourself to do can be a bit strained, can be painful, it can be lengthy in process. It can take a long time. If, big if, if we can let go of all of our ego and all of our possessiveness and all our attachments and actually wake up and pay attention, If we could wake up and pay attention, all of those attainments would be attained easily through the selfless service of our guru as a natural expression of our love. If we can fall in love with her, and we can really demonstrate that love. And it's really a privilege to demonstrate that love. And I really want to express, express that love. And it's the natural chumbo, the natural rhythm of my life. And I have no selfish agenda through which I am looking at this expression of my love. I can attain the highest devotion even in the absence of pranayama. All the pranayama, all the tap, all the jap, all, the, all of those extended practices of spiritual disciplines will come to me easily and naturally if I just fall in love. Completely. If I could fall in love and just let my every action be a demonstration of my love, a demonstration of my privilege, a demonstration of the joy that I receive just by offering whatever I can offer, then all the job tough just comes to me naturally don't have to strain. I don't have to, to experience discomfort and I don't have to put up with the difficulties of attainment. They come as a natural expression of love. To contemplate one's own guru is to contemplate one's body. She is the embodiment of the greatest me that I could ever become. To contemplate the infinity of existence is to contemplate Shiva. To sing the name which praises one's own guru is to sing a holy name, Ma, 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 Shriva, Shriva, Shriva. 
To sing the praises of the infinity of creation is to sing the praise of Shiva. Om Namah Shivaya. Merely a few particles of dust from the Guru's feet build a bridge across the entire ocean of objects and relationships. Therefore, the Guru is to be worshipped. Just a couple of specks of dust doesn't take a whole shovelful. Just a few specks of dust from her feet, just wear it proudly on our head and on our third eye. And we know the entire ocean of objects and relationships can be crossed like we built a bridge from New York to London. By the attainment of whose compassion, great ignorance is renounced. If I could get her to give me her compassion, all of my ignorance would go away. That's her compassion. That's her doya. That's her koruna bhavana. Therefore, we bow to the respected guru who accomplishes all objectives. She did it. Not she did. I am the car, you are the driver, just as you drive, just so I run. She did. The accomplisher of all objectives. If it's a good thing, she did it. If it's not so good, sorry, Mom, I'll try a little harder next time. The only reason I made a mistake is when I failed to get out of my way. I was there in my way, and now I'd like to get out of the way and let you do it so it'll be right. Therefore, we bow down to the respected guru who accomplishes all objectives, whose lotus feet destroy the great forest conflagration of all the sea of objects and relationships. She is situated in the middle of the white lotus on the top of the head in the circle of the moon. <laughs> there you got it. Just put the circle of the moon there and in the middle of the moon you got the white lotus and in the middle of the white lotus you got the supreme divinity wearing a yellow sari with a red border. Unspeakable are the three lines in the circle within the lotus of 1,000 petals. That's Kamkala in the middle. The equilateral triangle, the three lines, they are unspeakable. In the triangle, Hum and Sa are side by side, in the middle of which the Guru is remembered. She's in the Bindu, which is in the Kamkala, which is in the equilateral triangle, which is within the circle surrounded by lotuses. And she is there right in the window, which has hum and sa. Remember so hum. I, hum is I, hum. The divine I is all of this. So she is hamsa. And she is also the paramahams. She's the supreme swan that has ultimate discrimination. She takes the milk, she leaves the water. She flies on high up to the heights of heaven. She is a swan, she is a supreme swan, she is Paramahamsa Shri Ma. 
She creates the entire perceivable universe. She conceives the ultimate nourishment. She perceives the entire process of acquiring knowledge. Shravanam, Mananam, Niditasana. You hear it. You contemplate it. You deeply intuit. She perceives as vain material success or attainment. She's not pursuing the material. She needs just enough to support her goal. She's not pursuing more. Just enough. Now, how do you know how much you need? What is just enough if you don't know what the goal is? Uh, today we posted on our website the beginning of a series asking people to figure out what the goal is, what the dream is. What are we searching for? What is the objective? So she perceives as vain material success or attainment. She doesn't need more than she needs, just the minimum requirement. She strives after that which is beyond qualities. She perceives the meaning of that as oneness. She is the supreme. She manifests the supreme duality of all existence. She perceives everywhere oneness and the path to liberation. She sees all the unity coming from the diversity. And always she is liberated. She perceives liberation in every perception. She directs the performance of the drama on the stage of all existence. She's, she's not the actor. She directs the actors. She pours forth the rain of the nectar of compassion. She is the entire garland of all principles, all the tattvas. She makes them into a unity and a holistic spiritual experience. She is the creator of all time. She is the perceiver of truth, consciousness, and bliss. May the respected guru's divine perception eternally be fixed upon me. Please. <coughs> Mom, please. Om Sam Sarasvati Namaha. Namaste. So beautiful. Let's see if there are any questions about what we are praying for. What, are, what is our entreaty? We are saying, may the Guru's divine perception always be fixed upon me. May I always reflect eter eternally and unequivocally. May I always reflect that attitude of purity and clarity, the example that I'm receiving from the reflection of the Guru's countenance, from her activities, from the example. Yes, please. Should we take each verse, like maybe a verse a day or something, and meditate on that verse and perceive wow. that verse and how it feels? Oh, more than a day. <laughs> uh, do, do one a week. <laughs> Absolutely.
absolutely, and then divide the grammar and divide each word and take each word apart and take them all and say, Agni Shuddha Samantat. Now, I've got the purity of the, of the fire in equilibrium, just as, as fire purifies with its radiant light. Chakavia. I, I want the illumination of that light of the fire in the, as it pure. I take, do the grammar, do an anyai, take apart every word, take about every sentence, try and figure out what it's saying to me. And how do I feel that? How do I react to that? What does that mean to me? Absolutely. We want to embody this teaching. We don't want just to study it intellectually or even memorize it. We want to live it. We want to feel it. We want to feel it when we're saying it. We want to feel it when we're doing it. We want to live it. It should be, it should be a part of our intrinsic nature. Yes, we do want to study as deeply as we can. And then realize that we have a whole body of literature to do that with. Wow. Thank you, Mother. Yes, absolutely. We will listen to it. We will think about it. We will contemplate it. We will deeply meditate upon it. We will intuitively intuitively Plant that seed within our hearts so that we have it for our intrinsic nature becomes it. It's a question of what are we trying to become. Obviously, we're all not satisfied with what we are right now. That's why we're striving to become something more. Now, when we want to become something more, can I define that something as the intuitive cognition of the principles of purity which illuminate the light in the darkness? Find a way to define it for yourselves as you feel it and get that bhavana and get that feeling and live it and breathe it. Plant it inside and cultivate it water it, nourish it. You're the gardener. You're trying to raise the flowers that are appropriate to string together in your mala, in your garland that the guru is going to wear. Yes, please. When we chant these texts, sometimes we feel like we understand certain lines more than others. Is it advisable for us to dwell on the ones that we understand and, and cultivate those, or should we be more into the ones that we don't quite understand and try and kind of catch those up with the other ones. I would start with what you know and what you feel and what you understand and make that grow. So if a verse stands out to you and comes as you're chanting and you recognize it, you feel it, and you understand it, then stay there and understand it and cultivate that understanding and try to expand the definition of that understanding to the next verse because probably the verses are related. There's a pretty good reason that they put the verses in a certain juxtaposition so that one would modify and amplify each other. 
So yes, start with what you know, and then expand it and make it bigger and bigger and bigger until the, we are praising the Guru by means of the entire text of the Guru Gita. That's the privilege that we have. Yes, please. Question from Vivekananda in Seattle. Namaste, Vivek. Namaste, Juan Swamiji. When trying to give up all attachment, it is difficult to see all the attachments we hold. They seem to hide very well. In order to give them up, must we know where and what they are? How can we force them to be revealed as soon as possible so we can try to give them up? Better that you don't contemplate, how do I see my attachments? Better you contemplate, how can I increase my attachment to the guru? And by means of a teach, uh, increasing our attachment to the guru, we will increase our attachment to sadhana and to the gods and to the goddess and to Shiva and to Nirakar Brahman. And the more I focus on what I love, the negative will show up from time to time and then we get to deal with how do I get rid of that? I wouldn't advise contemplating the negative and going out and searching for all my attachments and then saying, gee, I'm thinking about all these attachments, how do I get rid of them? Rather, think about the purity and the clarity and the goal, the ultimate goal and the ultimate objective of I want to be one with God and devote my life in worship and I don't want to have another thought while I'm worshiping. Now, here comes another thought. Knock, knock. No one at home. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Get out of here. Take off. No peddlers, no solicitors. <laughs> There's there, no trespassers. You're, you're not wanted here. You are an old attachment that I don't need anymore. Sorry. I'm not even going to honor you with my attention. And in that way, after some time, the thoughts will go away. The peddlers, the solicitors, the trespassers, if you don't keep opening the door, and they just, they knock over, and they say, no one's home, go away, I go to the next house. In the same way, Vivek, you'll use your discrimination, focus on the positive, accent the positive, don't try to root out the negative, it will come in time, and you will have to deal with it. Don't go in search of the negative. Focus on the positive and reinforce the positive and it will continually amplify and expand and make an expansion in your consciousness until there's no room for the negative. Um, I guess it, seem, it seems like such a big jump to think, okay, all of a sudden we're gonna drop all of our attachments and never open the door. So so how can we look at it in a way that maybe we can set goals along the way or something to get there? Absolutely, you must set goals along the way. And you will have many, many divisions in your in your plan. You will have a plan for your uh, for your family. You want to nourish your family. You can't just abandon them. You can't walk out on them. You just you want to nourish them in a way and, and to support them in a way that it doesn't bind you or obligate you or impose upon your spirituality. 
So can you do your spiritual sadhana and go and send your mother a, 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 a card on Mother's Day? I don't see why not. <laughs> can you send a, 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 a bunch of roses to your mom on her birthday? I don't see why not. Can you call her every afternoon and say, hello, mom, I hope you're good, I hope everything's fine with you? I don't see why that impinges upon your spirituality. You can make goals for yourself so that you can fulfill your family dharma. Now, you have a certain economic dharma. You cannot become a, a, a burden to anyone else. You have an obligation to be self-sufficient. Can you find a way to make your contribution in such a way that it does not impinge upon your spiritual surge? Probably not, but you can mitigate the impingement. You can mitigate, you can reduce the amount of imposition by saying, okay, well, I, you know, this, this week is Navaratri, and I'm reducing my hours in the office. I'm going to spend more time doing spiritual exercises. I, this is my budget. Next week, I'll, I'll clean up the accumulation. <laughs> this week, I'm going to spend my time, and I'm going to devote more time to spirituality and less time to material concerns. There are many trade-offs that we make along the way. Now, we have financial goals. We need to be able to support all that we're doing. You want to support your spirituality. You want to support your family. You want to support the elderly the way you will want to be supported when you're old. You want to nourish the young people the way you want this world to become. You've got to accumulate sufficient resources in order to make those contributions. That's part of our dharma. And so we have to use our resources wisely. We have to use our time wisely. We have to invest our minds and our time in order to accumulate sufficient physical resources in order to support the causes that we deem worthy. You want to support your family, you want to support your students, you want to support the next generation, you want to support your temple, you want to support your community, you want to make contributions to the causes that are important to you according to your master plan. So, now, here, we... We've divided life into a number of different categories. We have social obligations that we will be involved in in the community or in social relationships. All the relationships don't have to be spiritual. You do need to have relationships with friends or family or friends of the family, whatever that may be. We have to have relationships with our students, with our teachers, with our... We have so many different kinds of relationships, and if we make a master plan which lists all the different kinds of activities that we engage in that are important to us, according to our values, according to our definition of Dharma, according to all the aspirations that we are pursuing, then we get a clear idea. How do we budget our time? How do we budget our mind? How do we budget our resources? How do we, how do we give in accordance with our capacity? Wherever you go as a giver, you're welcome. 
Oh, come on in. Give, give a little more here. Give a little more here. You give $1 to any cause, I guarantee you next month you're going to get a letter that says, please give another dollar. Please give more. Every time, they please give, please give. Donate here. We appreciate your support. Blah, blah, blah. They, the fundraisers get a hold of your name and address and you're on the list. And believe me, you're, they're going to solicit you until you say, hey, I don't want to give anymore. Most groups do that. Now, you have to make a discrimination, Vivek. You have to discriminate according to your criteria, according to your plan. Which, how much, how many resources do I have? And how can I divide them up in a fair and equitable manner so that I can nourish and support the causes that are most important to me? Every one of us has to decide for ourselves how we're going to support our children, how we're going to support our parents, how we're going to take care of the past, how we're going to prepare for the future. It's incumbent upon all of us. Each of us has to make that decision ourselves. No one can make that decision for you. And once you have that decision, you have an idea of how much do you need. Or once you've got the budget, you say, well, what do I have to do to get that amount? And once you've got the idea, what do I have to do to get that amount? You can say, well, okay, I can spend this much time in Sodom. I can spend this much time on the job. And I can spend this much time cleaning up the past. And I can spend that much time preparing for the future. So we will prepare ourselves a plan and a, a, accordance, in accordance with our goals so that we can pursue that objective of reducing our attachments. Not all of them all at once. You don't want to do that. I don't want you to give up your attachments to your family. You love your family. They brought you into where you are right now. I want you to turn around and say thank you, family. I'm in a good place with good people doing good things. <laughs> Thanks. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm, pr I'm proud to be a member of your family. You empowered me to come to this place and this mind and this idea right now where I'm at and I like it. <laughs> Thanks. You did a good job. I don't want you to dis disconnect yourself from your friends or your associates. If they're all bogeys and it's bogus and you don't need it anymore, well then it doesn't fit into your goal. But many of your old friends are very interested in what is your new spiritual commitment and what is the new definition that you have for your goals in life. And many of them will aspire to similar reasoning themselves. Many of them will. Some of them won't. So you yourselves will determine how much of which criteria do we want to fulfill. But to go cold turkey and say, okay, I'm not having any association with any attachment that I ever had is impossible. You can't eat by yourself. 
I, you, it's easier. I mean, you you just you can't put the food on the table. You need a farmer, and you need a seed grower, and you need a planter, and you need a cultivator, and you need the water department, and you need the power department, and you need the trucker, and the picker, and the, the, the wholesaler, and the retailer, and then you can buy whatever you're going to eat. I just ate today a half peach that we grew ourselves. <laughs> It was one of three. <laughs> now that was a tasty, it was delectable. But it's not enough. And I didn't even grow it by myself. Go Tom, help plant. And Parvati helped water. And Krishna helped pick. And everybody had something to do with it. And then it got to my table and it was a little peach. But that side, it was peachy. Yeah, somebody came and stole it from me, and I had to send a posse out to get it back. And then finally I got it back, and I cut it up into little pieces, and Mom had a piece, and I had a piece, and it was delicious. It was worth the effort, but it wasn't enough to sustain me, and I couldn't do it by myself. I'm sorry. You can't even eat by yourself without relationships. So therefore, all the relationships are important to us. We want to cultivate those relationships in accordance with our plan. How much do I need to invest in that one peach? <laughs> That's a determination for Vivek. The discrimination is going to tell me according to my criteria. Did I actually pay $30 for that peach? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> when I count the man hours that went in and the fertilizer and the water and the power that went in, I picked it by myself. <laughs> now, you, you'll find a law of diminishing returns and economically, is it feasible for you to feed yourself by yourself? Probably not. Probably. Question from Ambika in Princeton. Namaste Ambika, Namaste Sham. Namaste Maan Swamiji. What does that mean for us to get out of our own way and let the Guru do it? Needless to say, we do not want to be a burden to our Guru. Can you explain that more? Hopefully. Ambika, every time I make a mistake, I did it. I'm the one who makes the mistakes, and most of the mistakes is a confusion in my attentiveness. And when I fail to pay attention, then I'm dividing my attention, and one ear is listening to the knowledge that's being spoken, and the eyes are looking out the window. And I'm daydreaming about what's going to happen when I get out of this class and Swami lets me go. And my mind is all over the place. When I get out of the way and let the guru do, do it, she makes me focus attention. She makes me wake up so I'm not asleep. And she makes me pay attention so I'm actually learning. And she makes... When I learn, there's an immediate change in my behavior. Instead of being in a state of sleepiness or unattentiveness, with my attention bifurcated into many different directions, I focus my attention when I get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs>
I let the guru do it for me. That's what it means, Ambika, to allow the guru to do it. You pay 100% attention. Question from Srini in Bangalore. Namaste, Srini Baba. Can Swamiji speak about spiritual independence? Does the guru help us attain this? Absolutely. Srini Baba, when we become one with the guru, the guru is independent. She is Shwachand. She moves according to her own rhythm. She knows what she wants to do. She has her plan. She has defined the goal. She knows where she's going and she knows how she proposes to get there. And she is Swachand. She is independent according to her own rhythm. And that's the bhavana of the guru. So that by our reflecting the attitude of the guru, we also become independent. We've defined our goal. We've defined our path. We've budgeted our resources. The rest is academic, Srini. It's just a step-by-step -step progression towards the goal. We know what we want to accomplish. We know where we want to go next. There's no conflict. There's no confusion. I'm not waiting to be told what to do. The guru is independent. And so are her disciples because they reflect the attitude of the guru entirely. She knows. And in that knowledge is her freedom. Because she doesn't have to wait and be dependent upon anyone else. She elects. This is where we want to go next. Now, who can come with me? How do we want to proceed? Who wants to come? I do. Srini Baba, yes, the guru is independent and she helps us cultivate our own independence. And then we become swachant. We, we move according to our own rhythm. Actually, it's not ours. It becomes hers. And actually, it's not hers. It becomes his. And it's Shiva's rhythm. It's Shiv's goal. And he tells us, through the guru, he says, okay, guru, you come to me. And guru says, okay, disciples, you come to me. And disciples, okay, guru, what do I have to do to get to you? <laughs> There's so much world out here. <laughs> I think I should enjoy more of the world before I come to you. And Guru says, eh, probably not, but whatever turns you on. You make your decision yourself. I'm giving you options. So the Guru is independent and she is free and she's eternally free because she has already defined the goal and defined the path and made a commitment to moving in that way. She never lives without sun cult. You don't think the Guru is attached with disciples? Yes, she is attached with disciples only so far as she brings them along with her. She is like the engine on the railway train. She's attached to all the other bogies in the, in the train, but the engine knows where it's going, and it's her energy that powers all the other cars to follow her. Uh, the guru is like the engine, and she's following the track to Shiv. And Shiv gives darshan to the guru first 
and then to each of the cars in the train in succession as they follow the guru towards the ultimate terminus, which is where the train stops, the, the home station of the train. When we get to Howrah, we know we're there. <laughs> There's no more track. After you get to Calcutta, the train stops. Yes, please. Yes, go, bitch. Um, I'd like to go back to Ambika's question. Uh, my mind was probably wondering, so I, I missed, I think, the key point. Understandable. Exactly. So um, there's the, the key to the question. The mind wonders. I'm here. I want to be totally focused. The mind wonders. Yep. You said you let the guru do it. Yep. How do you let the guru do it when you continually get in your own way, no matter how I get my Bish, I say to my mind, mind! Mom! Come back here! Please come back here! I'm calling you, I'm pleading with you, I'm begging with you, I'm on my hands and knees! Mind! Come back here! The guru is speaking, the guru is teaching, why are you out there in left field, wandering around in unconsciousness? Come to the feet of Kali and you'll find all the fruit and all the refreshment you need. Come back here, mind, and keep pleading with your mind. Mind! Come back here! And one day, the mind will listen. Just you have to make it faith. You make faith? Yeah. If you believe that she's got the goods, then you're going to pay attention. And every time your mind says to you, hey, Bish, you don't have to pay attention to this. <laughs> go ahead and look out the window. Go ahead and go to the movies. Tune this out. You say, mind, come back here and pay attention. Come back here. I believe, I have faith that she is the image of purity and clarity and her teaching is going to bring me to a greater state of efficiency and by that I mean sadhu. <laughs> Mind, don't wander in the unconscious. Rampasad is calling, Mind, please come back here. Sri Ram Prasad is calling. The mother is everywhere, but my eyes are blind to see her. Please chase this darkness away. Just say that. <laughs> <laughs> Just say that. Mind! <laughs> Come back here. Every time you find yourself drifting into reverie and drifting and going to the movies, Say, hey, I can see this movie anytime. In fact, I see it all the time. Please turn on another movie at the very minimum. Let me listen to Ma's movie. Let me watch what Mom is doing. That will give me knowledge and inspiration and empowerment to become a sadhu. This movie that I'm going out to watch and leaving the guru in order to watch it? 
It's not worth the price of admission. And I've seen it a hundred times. I can tell you the entire script. I know the entire dialogue between all the characters and what's going to happen next. Mind! Come back here. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha. Namaste. Thank you, Tom.